Hey guys, it's Elena. Welcome back to the podcast. Today um, is going to be a little bit more of a personal topic, and I'll give a disclaimer before I get started that I'm going to talk in depth about my experience with anorexia and other disordered eating patterns. So it may be hard to listen to, but I want to make it clear right off the bat that I don't want this to be a sob story. We're going to try to take a more positive, productive view of this. I'm I'm a big believer that there's there's good in everything, and this whole experience taught me a lot that I can hopefully share um, and help someone else. So we'll talk about what helped me recover and what are some of the things that might have caused my eating disorder so that you can look out for it because these are they're just as much um, a mental illness as a physical illness. So for context, when I was 19 years old, I was diagnosed with anorexia type A, so the restrictive subtype, and it almost took my life. So at the worst, I was in hospital with a heart rate of about 32, which is near mortal rate. I was deathly afraid of food. I looked like a skeleton. I lost my period and I was just at the most miserable point of my life. Fast forward to today. It is three years later. I'm 22. I'm fully weight restored. I'm happier and healthier than ever. I have my curves back. I have my period back. Um, And I finally feel comfortable talking about it. So again, I want to put my experience out there with the hope that it can help even one person going through the same thing. If you know, or if you know someone close to you who is struggling, hopefully you can share it with them. And if it can help at least one person, then it was worth recording this episode. I now I have I had what I like to refer to as a self-induced eating disorder. So I don't think that I was born with any kind of a a natural inclination towards um, a mental health illness or an eating disorder. I caused it myself um, after a series of bad decisions, and I'll explain how that happened. I have I have one of those characters where when I set a goal, I will stop at absolutely nothing to achieve it. I'm like a bull. And if you have that kind of discipline, it can be a strength if you harness it towards positive goals. But if you direct it towards the wrong goal, it can do a lot of damage. So when I was 19, what started as an innocent fitness goal spiraled completely out of control. It started with a diet, obviously, as a lot of eating disorders do. Um, I always loved working out since I was young. The gym has always been a happy place for me. And what's ironic is that I actually loved my body at the time. So this was in my first year of uni and I just wanted to tighten up and lose like the last couple of pounds around my abs. I was also living on my own for the first time. So naturally I had more freedom to cook for myself to, you know, more time to spend on my fitness goals um, and nobody looking like looking over my shoulder too closely. So I said, okay, I just won't eat as much. And I made the conscious decision to eat a little bit less. That's when the problem started. Something really interesting I learned afterwards. This was Dr. Daniel Amen said this in a podcast, I think with Ed Milet. Your your brain represents only 2% of your body weight, like tiny, but it uses up anywhere between like 20 to 30% of the calories that you consume. So 20 to 30% of the food that you're eating is going towards fueling your brain. So naturally, when you stop eating, you cut off the supply of calories or the supply of energy to your brain and your brain gets sick. So the way that I was treating my body poorly basically spread to my brain. And this is how the mental side of the eating disorder developed. 
I basically made my brain sick by choosing consciously not to eat enough. So suddenly I was scared of food. I went from eating like 1200 calories a day to 800, then to 600 and less and less and less. My fear of food was basically spiraling. And as a result, my weight spiraled too. So I got skinnier and skinnier and skinnier every day. And the scary thing is that I actually liked being skinny more than I thought I would. I almost got addicted to it and I just wanted to keep getting smaller. And again, like at this point, I was scared of anything with carbs, fat, sugar, oils, and terrified of gaining weight. Something I learned after is that it's often, it's not about the food or about what your body looks like as much as it's about control. So if you are someone who likes control, you might be at greater risk of trying to seek control through external things, especially at a time when you feel like you're lacking control, which I might have been at that point in my life. Um, And that can manifest for some people as an eating disorder. For others, it can be substance abuse, OCD, um, or a number of other things. The, The first time I noticed it was a real problem because I, at this time, I couldn't recognize that I was getting so skinny. I didn't think that was a problem. But when it hit me is when it started flooding into other areas of my life. So if you have an eating disorder, you can't have a social life. I didn't want to go out with my friends because most social activities... Um, especially with young people, revolve around food or cocktails, going out to eat, going out to drink. Like even the guy I had feelings for at the time would want to like take me out to dinner and I would reject him and say no because I didn't want to go out to restaurants and I wouldn't let him see me other than for like short periods of time in between school and my workouts. And mind you, at this point, I was, even with how little I was eating, I was still working out six days a week with heavy weights and cardio. Um, My friends were starting to get worried Because on the rare occasions that they did see me, they saw how thin I was. And I cannot stress enough the importance of having solid friends around you who will notice when you seem different and call you out on it. Part of the reason that my eating disorder slipped so far when I was 19 is that I was living living on my own. I was living away from home. Otherwise, if I was at home, my family would have noticed earlier and forced me to eat. Like I personally grew up in a Balkan household where my mom cooks for me and asks me if I'm hungry like every five seconds. So if I stopped sitting down to eat crepes with her, she definitely would have noticed something was up. Even if you're busy focusing on your own goals, again, like I just cannot stress enough the importance of having friends who check in on you to make sure you're not going crazy. One of my best friends, Julian, was actually the first person to notice something and say like, Elena, what the fuck? Like you need to eat more. And even if I didn't listen to him immediately, it slapped some sense into me. And that was an early sign that made me think, okay, like maybe it's not normal to be afraid of food like this. And that coincidentally, like was the same friend who later when I was working on recovering would literally sit on FaceTime with me while I was eating my breakfast so that I was less anxious. So again, like you need your support circle. It doesn't have to be a big circle, But like a small group of friends, you need your people who are real friends and who are going to call you out on your bullshit when you're not taking care of yourself. Um, Fast forward a bit to the point where I decided I wanted to recover because you need to be willing to make a change if it's going to work. At the most dangerous part of my anorexia, I weighed 89 pounds, so that's about 40 kilos which for my frame is tiny. Like I'm 5'5", so I looked like a skeleton. You could see my ribs. Um, And when I hit rock bottom, there were a few things that made me want to recover. The first is that I recognized it was pure survival. So at this point, 
I had no energy. I could hardly walk up the stairs. I was freezing all the time because when you don't eat, your body can't keep itself warm. So I was freezing all the time and I was in hospital with a super low heart rate. If you don't eat enough, your body starts to, it can't handle natural bodily functions. So my heart, for example, um, wasn't even able to pump blood through my body. A natural resting heart rate is somewhere between 60 and 70 beats per minute. When you're working out, it can get up to like 80, 90. And if it goes below 30, you die. My heart rate was at 32 when I was in the hospital. Like they had me hooked up to the heart monitor and it was like those scenes in the movies where it starts beeping and they get slower and slower and then flat lines. And the nurses were literally running over, like trying to figure out if I was still alive or not. So without energy, you don't, you don't glow. You don't have life in your eyes. You can't create memories with your friends on a night out or work towards your dream career or do any of that. So just wanting to restore my energy levels was a huge motivating force. Even if I was still scared, like in my mind, I didn't want to gain weight. I didn't want to eat more, but just to survive and have energy to live life, it was worth it. The second is that because I was so physically weak, I absolutely hated feeling like I needed other people to do things for me. So the other half of it was like, I wanted to prove to myself that I could recover on my own. I remember when I was in the hospital, vividly, one doctor literally looked at me and said, you're not going to do this on your own. You can't recover on your own. We need to admit you to the hospital and we'll hook you up to a, a tube and feed you. And that's the only way you're going to get better. And that was the moment like that pissed me off so much just because I'm such an independent person by nature. I want to do things on my own. As soon as that doctor said that, I said, fuck this, I'm leaving. Left the hospital that day. And that was when I really decided I'm going to recover on my own to prove to myself and to everyone else that I can do it. Um... So if your drive towards a fitness goal got you stuck in an eating disorder, you can use that same drive to get yourself out of it. And only you can do that for yourself. The third part of it that made me, the third thing that made me want to recover is that I realized I wouldn't be able to have kids if I continued like that. Um, When, again, if you're not eating enough, if a woman is super skinny, she will likely lose her period and lose her sex drive because your body tries to dissuade you from having kids. Because if you did get pregnant, you wouldn't be able to grow a healthy baby. So I lost my period. I had zero sex drive. And that just was not an option for me because I know that I want to have kids and start a family and raise my kids in Europe. And that's a huge part of what my life is going to be. So that was another motivating force that kind of gets you outside of yourselves, outside of yourself because suddenly it wasn't about me and my body and what I'd look like anymore. It was that if I wanted to build the life that I want for my family, I needed to get healthier. A few things that helped me during recovery. Um, And some of these have to do with eating and food and fitness and others have to do with the mental shift. The first thing that helped was starting with a gradual increase in calories as to not shock my system. So if you're at a super low weight and you're not used to eating a lot of food, If you suddenly double, triple, quadruple your calories, it can actually be dangerous for your system. That's such a huge shock that your body almost wouldn't know how to process it. And that in itself can create some health complications. So I um, made sure to go for a, a gradual increase. So the first week I aimed for, okay, let me challenge myself to eat 800 calories a day. And then the next week I did 900 and 1,000 all the way up to 1,400 so that I didn't overwhelm myself. Once I hit 1400, I started to actually get my appetite back because before that I was just forcing myself to eat. This was also at the very beginning of the summer in between my first and second year. So once the summer hit, 
Um, I actually stopped counting calories after this once I got past the 1400 and I spent that summer just gradually eating more of the foods that I was scared of, like trying one new food every couple days and not worrying too much about the number of how much I was eating, but trying to focus on building a healthy relationship with food and learning how to eat intuitively again. That summer was like one of the most freeing times of my life because again, all of a sudden I was trying all these things that I thought I would never be able to eat again. And simultaneously, like funny enough, I was actually not gaining weight. This is a huge myth like I want to debunk is that when I thought that when I started recovery, I would blow up like a balloon and like gain a bunch of weight. But the reality is when you first start recovery, you're not going to gain a ton of weight because your metabolism basically kicks into overdrive. And most of the calories you consume are going to be used to restore natural bodily functions. Again, to get your energy back, um, to not be so cold all the time, to speed up your heart rate, just normal things like that. It's actually the food you eat is not so much going towards like being stored as fat. So don't be scared of that. The second thing that helped was the foods I was eating were mainly nutrient dense whole foods, like unprocessed foods. Obviously at the beginning of recovery, I still wasn't comfortable eating junk. So I ate mainly whole unprocessed foods. The difficult thing with that is that it's very hard to gain weight when you're eating like clean, healthy foods. So I found that focusing on very nutrient-dense foods, things higher in calories like nuts and nut butters and grass-fed meat and higher calorie fruits and protein powder literally in everything helped a lot. Like I remember putting protein powder in my cereal and pancakes and muffins, um, whatever I could to help restore my muscles because they had been um, basically disintegrated. The next part of it is fitness. Now, this is tough because a lot of doctors will tell, will try to discourage you from going to the gym or working out, even moving too much when you're recovering, just because the the goal is to gain weight quickly. Um, so I remember the doctor telling me, like, your only job for the next few months is to literally sit on the couch and eat. I knew for me that wouldn't be good for me mentally. Like I said, going to the gym is my happy place. It gives me so much mental clarity. So I still, I worked out still consistently throughout my entire recovery, but what helped is that I stopped doing cardio and I mainly focused on weightlifting, um, not too heavy, but weightlifting to, to make sure that my muscles were were still capable, but stopped the cardio. So I wasn't burning a huge amount of calories. Now, the second part of, um, recovery is the, the mental shift. So a few things that helped me is that I first, as as much as I was scared to eat, I tried to view it as just another goal for myself. So whereas before I went from the goal is to be skinny to now seeing it as, okay, the goal is to have energy, to be strong, to be healthy, to build a positive mindset around food as fuel and not food as a tool to manipulate my, my body. So I essentially used my same drive, but directed towards a different goal. The second thing I did is I learn to see letting go of the rules as a good thing and not a bad thing. A lot of the time, disordered eating is um, is about like you set a lot of very strict rules for yourself around what you can and cannot eat, how much you can and cannot eat, um, what times of the day you can and cannot eat, and you, you stick to those rules too strictly. I, w- I tried to see letting go of those rules as a good thing and not as something that I should feel guilty around. So if I ate something that was considered you know, quote unquote, bad for me, which doesn't exist. There's no such thing as 
good food or bad food. Food is just fuel. It's simple. So if I ate something that was considered bad or I took an extra rest day, I let go of the guilt and I would actually celebrate it as an accomplishment because it meant that I was listening to my body intuitively instead of letting the anorexia control my actions. So as an example, like if I was out with friends and got ice cream with them, I would celebrate it as like a small victory and be proud of myself that I let go and did that instead of um, like skipping it to save the calories or whatever. The third thing that helped, and this was unique to my recovery. I haven't heard of a lot of people who have had the same experience, but I had to change up my environment. So the summer I was recovering, I actually, as much as I was expected to stay here and do an internship or do a job, um, I went back home to my home country. So I went to Bulgaria on impulse decision, booked a flight and went for two months. And Bulgaria was my recovery. I recovered there. And that helped a lot because if you think about it, it is very difficult. If you're staying in the same place, in the same routine, doing the same thing every day, seeing the same people, it's very hard for you to drastically switch up one variable in your life and like expect to see change. Whereas if you're changing up your environment anyway, so if you're going to um, a different country or changing something else big in your life, then it's easier to stack more little changes on top of that because there's less of a contrast. So I found that it helped a lot um, to just shift my headspace by getting out of the country. I also just feel better when I'm at home. I'm more myself when I'm in Europe. So I was happier overall, felt more comfortable. And I think that eased a lot of the stress around recovery. The, the last and the biggest mental shift that helped is changing my identity. Once I decided that I wanted to recover, I had to let go of the identity I had of myself of being someone who was anorexic. The same applies to anything. If you still think of yourself as someone who has depression or who has anxiety, then you can guarantee you're never going to heal your depression or your anxiety. You have to let go of the identity. Instead, I had to just tell myself things like I am healthy and glowing and radiant and I have an amazing relationship with food. And once you tell yourself that and believe it, then your actions will follow. But you will not get better as long as you hold on to the identity of being someone who's sick. It took me about two years to fully restore my weight. Um, and the on the mental side of things, it I'm better now. It definitely still doesn't go away completely. Like I still, I know that when I get stressed out, um, I'll have, I'll start to feel like a desire to control things again, or like some of those irrational fears will creep up, but I now consider myself like fully recovered. Anorexia is not something I identify with anymore. Took about two years to fully restore my weight. Again, it is going to be slow because first your body's going to be working on getting healthy, getting energy, restoring your bodily functions. And then, um, and then you'll start gradually increasing weight. So it takes time. As with anything, you have to be patient. But recovering reminded me how much, not only how much I love my body, but it gave me a new love for who I am and the way that I live my life. Once you recover, you will never go back. You'll be so much happier after. The, the biggest realization is like being skinny will never make you happier. As much as you think it will, it won't. Happiness is a choice. It's a state of mind that you can unlock at any time, anywhere, regardless of external circumstances. You're not going to be happy from achieving a fitness goal ironically like i was my most miserable i've never been so miserable as the time when i was my skinniest right now 
I'm probably my heaviest I've ever been, but I've never been happier. Like I absolutely love my body now. I finally got my feminine curves back. I have an ass and boobs and fuller hair and my skin is more radiant. I actually have life in my eyes. I got my period back. Um, especially as a girl, like after you recover, you actually feel sexy again. You feel like a woman again. And I got my sex drive back. Like, holy shit, people do not talk about this enough. How much having an eating disorder kills your sex drive. It's the worst. Overall, I just feel better and I have way more energy than I than I ever did before. And the most important thing is that this whole thing makes me realize that my body's probably the least interesting thing about me. What I value most about myself has so much more to do with my brain, my work ethic, my independence, my drive, my resilience. It doesn't have anything to do with what I look like. Like, yes, I feel beautiful, but not because of what my body looks like. Especially as a woman, beauty is so much more, actually for men too, beauty is so much more about your elegance and your body language, the way that you carry yourself, the way that you speak. And I've learned to appreciate those things now a lot more than I did before. If I could go back, I don't think that I would change a single thing because almost losing my life to anorexia and having to drag myself out of it is part of what makes me the person I am today. And I love her to death. So if you're going through the same thing, just know that I got you, you got you. And remember that there's so much more to life. There's so much more life to live after an eating disorder.